Welcome to the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting, accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Welcome to today's episode of the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Ari Serlis, who is the CEO of Quasa, the Quad Para Association of South Africa. Through his work and for leisure, Ari has traveled extensively and he shares some fantastic insights and tips with our listeners today. In the service provider spotlight, we're stepping through a time portal back 300 years to learn a little bit about Cape Town in the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries as we visit Siobhan's Battery Museum. But don't worry, because our time portal is accessible. If you haven't already done so, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. And moreover, if you'd be willing to share a review on iTunes, it will help us to reach more listeners who are interested in the accessible travel industry. And now, let's meet Ari Serlis. Today on the Accessible South Africa podcast, we're talking to Ari Sulis, who is the CEO of Quasa, the Quad Para Association of South Africa. Ari, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lois. Ari, just to start off, would you mind telling us a little bit of your story, just to introduce yourself and your business to our, our listeners? Well, thanks for that opportunity. I could go on all afternoon telling you about myself, but I prefer not to. So here's the short version. I um, I work, I'm the CEO of the Quad Para Association of South Africa, which is an NPO, which uh, provides products, projects and services for quadriplegics and paraplegics. But maybe more interesting is I have been a wheelchair user. I'm in my 35th year. I broke my neck in a diving accident in Durban whilst modeling for a television commercial in 1985. I was 23 years old and uh, diving from about 20 meters high into a swimming pool. And I'd done this 15 times in the day. And then someone drained the water out the pool, unfortunately. And on that fateful 16th dive, there was only uh, 800 mils of water in terms of depth in the swimming pool and I hit my head on the bottom and broke my neck. And so that was my life-changing um, dive or experience and um, did my rehabilitation and um, back in mainstream society, uh, working hard, and as I have in the last uh, 15, 16 years for Quasar, and um, I'm fine and uh, uh, very proud of what I've achieved, but most importantly, have retained very important friendships and relationships along my journey. That's quite an experience and it's certainly you have done a tremendous amount of work 
within the role that you're in currently. Could you perhaps share with us a little bit about the type of traveling that you do, both within your work and to do with leisure? Okay, that's interesting. So, yes, in my work, a lot of domestic travel, especially by air, a little bit by road. And I travel to Johannesburg from Durban um, a couple of times a month, two or three days a week I go to Johannesburg generally. I am trying to slow down now. I use my car, I drive a, a Subaru Outback with my hand control. And uh, so I do a bit of uh, road tripping and a bit of road work. Um, and then occasionally some international travel. So, and I approach each of these in a very different way. So my, my trips to Johannesburg always involve um, a drive to the airport and an aircraft, depending on what airline trip, to the next airport or Tambo, uh, then a drive to a place of accommodation and then the exact opposite coming up. And then on road tripping, it's making sure I've got the right equipment in my car and um, depending on where I'm going to or for how long. So lots of planning in the different scenarios. I think there's obviously a lot of planning it does make a huge difference. Ari, would you share with us just a little bit more of the detail of the logistics of how you approach travel? Okay, so I've got a good PA. That, that helps a lot, but let's <laughs> pretend I don't. Um, booking, uh, you know, when we book you know, you know, as an employee of Quasi, we look for good value in terms of flights and the right time. I try not to fly at the busy times. I like the privacy of there being a flight that's not as full. I like to sit on the back row aisle seat. Keeps me um, closest to where the passenger aid unit would uh, assist me onto the seat. Uh, least amount of disruption to other passengers. And I do like to keep to myself. Um, Quasa luckily trains all the assisted passenger staff at most of the airports. And so the service is relatively good. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, make sure we get the right seats in advance. I don't wing it at the airport. Giving them good notice that I'm coming, making sure when I get to the airport and, and multi-story parking that I've got the number, make the call and get um, the assisted passenger service to meet me at my vehicle, which helps me when it comes to loading the trolley and getting to the check-in counter. Uh, making sure that I'm arrived on time. I don't like to leave things to the last minute um, and I don't get flustered and when there's a delay, I always relax and uh, I don't get anxious about buying at all. I used to if I sort of pushed the envelope a little bit. Um, always remembering where I parked my vehicle. And then, of course, um, knowing what I've got in my rucksack, which I keep in the, in the cabin with me, and knowing what I've got in my suitcase so that if there's a delay or when your luggage doesn't arrive on the other side, I can survive a day at least. And I think that that's very important as a quadriplegic to make sure that I've got certain stuff, whether it be uh, medication or incontinence product or whatever it may be, sort of a survival kit in my rucksack. So if something goes wrong with the luggage or there's an unintended overnight stay somewhere in the wrong place uh, that I never booked to go. So all in all, lots of important planning. Would you say that your approach to international travel is much the same? Okay, that's interesting. With international travel, I I do dread a long-haul flight. 
it's very difficult as a quadriplegic to find your way to a toilet facility. So I choose an airline that's got wheelchair accessible toilets, a functional slipper chair, strategically seated. I try and get seated in the bulkhead seat, which gives me lots of room for my legs to stretch if necessary. Uh, so I can do some passive exercises in the middle of the flight and my caregiver can come past me in front of me instead of being boxed in by a seat uh, of the passenger in front of me that might be uh, uh, going into the line position. And um, I do, I don't eat much, I drink a lot, and so, and I pray a lot that there's not too many delays and there's no unfortunate circumstance. So lots of planning for international travel. I will take a, a spare set of clothing with me just in case we end up at the wrong airport at the wrong time or there's a turnaround and I've got a day's worth of supply of whatever I need uh, with me in the aircraft and so that I can survive without my luggage as well. So, um, yeah, international is daunting. It's very difficult to stay seated on a seat for eight hours or longer. Um, I sleep, wake up, move around. Sleep wake up, move around. So rest and then move, rest and then move. And pretty much have been successful with that energy on the other end. That sounds like a great process. And I think one of the things I'm taking out of this conversation is very definitely that preparation makes a difference between a more enjoyable or more comfortable trip and a less comfortable one. Being prepared for anything that might happen. What types of um, assistive technologies or and apps in general do you use to help you in the planning phases? Okay, well, interesting question. I use straight commercial apps uh, that I can download automatically on my phone that are available. I haven't had to delve into um, uh, looking for anything specialized. Uber, I'm quite comfortable using Uber. Taxify and Waze, especially when I'm using my vehicle. I don't like to uh, wing it in my vehicle. I want to know exactly where I am. I want to the quickest route. I don't want to get caught in traffic jams or gridlock, obviously, because then I worry about uh, if I need to go to the toilet. So Waze is good for me. I listen to it and uh, take Waze's directions. And then um, if, I'm, if I'm stuck without transport, if I need to go, and I don't have my vehicle with me, uh, then um, Uber is good. And um, sometimes you get Uber assistance in some certain cities. And, of course, I use that. And then just a straight Uber. And I've never had any problems with drivers having, uh, you know, resisting help assisting me. But, of course, I must say I always travel with someone, an assistant or a caregiver. So that helps tremendously. Well, that's great. And in terms of accommodation, booking accommodation and things like that? Do you use apps like TripAdvisor or what is your preference in that finding accommodation that is accessible? Another good, good, interesting question. You know, I don't trust a lot of um, these apps, especially TripAdvisor or Bookings.com or Party or Lacker Slap or whatever they're called. I mean, people are economical with the truth when it comes to facilities for wheelchair users. They say disabled friendly or wheelchair friendly. There's no term about wheelchair friendly or disabled friendly. You know, we 
it, you either comply with the national building regulations or you don't. And that's very significant for us as um, the user of accommodation to know that. There's a wonderful website called disabledtravel.co.za. So that's obviously www.disabledtravel.co.za. That shows you what the bathroom looks like in some pictorial form, shows you what the bedroom looks like. And those are the two areas you need to survive in. I don't mind what the hotel or the facility looks like. I want to see I can manage in the bathroom independently and in the bedroom. And so I use that quite often. If not, I make a call and I ask specific questions. And I quite often ask an accommodation um, facility to send me photographs of the bathroom and the bedroom to be 100% sure that I don't spend the first hour arguing and wanting to relocate. So um, I'm fussy and generally it pays off. I was, I was speaking to another lady earlier for this podcast, and she said that she often uses Google Earth to check the accessibility so that she can see the outside location to know whether the building will be accessible. And also, I think she, she reinforced the same point that you are, that photographs make it a lot easier to give an accurate assessment of whether or not the place will be accessible. So in your travels, I'm sure that you must have experienced a number of obstacles and how have you overcome some of the obstacles that you've faced in your travels? Well, <laughs> each one uh, is very different. So um, mainly uh, it's accommodation infrastructure, which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, maybe the truth is not always taught the Russia on those um, I've had uh, hotels and lodges and um, self-catering units remove doors if they couldn't open wide enough to get into, um, move a bed, make a bed higher, make a bed lower. Uh, so I guess there's always a solution. If there's a bed and a bathroom, a lot of the time I guess you can help. And the worst case scenario is for asking someone to assist me, to lift me in and out the bath, as undignified as it is, if that's my last resort. So I've always had a solution, uh, uh, not necessarily always uh, the most dignified solution, but um, uh, I've seldom had to cancel a trip. I've seldom had to go back home. Um, good communication. Keeping a cool head about you is also invaluable when you want to solve problems. Would you say that most of the, the service providers with whom you've come into contact have been very willing to try and accommodate you if there are problems within, with accessibility? Absolutely. Um, uh, I seldom do we get into a conflict situation. I think a service provider realizes they might have heard in terms of information provision or didn't quite understand what uh, the real requirement was and have often offered a solution that's 50% uh, uh, or better. Um, so uh, access to information uh, is has always been uh, a good solution. And what I'm trying to say is uh, the accommodation provider always said, well, help me get it right, generally has said that. And it's wonderful to hear that approach. So I'm quite happy to work with people like that. But of course, if you go into um, a situation where you've got them and you think you can fight it out, then you can get very little cooperation. 
And I often wonder why people at airports get so rude to the check-in clerk when it's not them that makes all the strategic decisions about whether a flight is cancelled or delayed or a technical issue. And just, as I said, keep a level head about you and you'll find that beings are very cooperative and willing to help. Well, that's good to hear. What about, what have your, some of your favourite travel experiences? What would those be? Well, I've got to mention that I did a cruise in May 2017. My sister and her husband and I and some friends, mutual friends of all of us, eight of us got together and we booked a cruise in the Mediterranean, starting in Barcelona, a seven-night cruise in the uh, western Mediterranean. It was quite unbelievable. Put your luggage on the ship. I went on a boat called the Freedom of the Seas, and every morning wake up in a different, in a different port, and the, the cruise ship staff know exactly what they're doing. Cabins are accessible if you choose the right one. Nice to have had the privilege of a balcony cabin. Great rolling shower and bathroom. All the staff know what they're doing. Um, the uh, embarking and disembarking was accessible and smooth. Uh, we reached well and uh, a good tour operator on the ground, which took us around, whether it was Italy or Spain or France. It was a hassle-free um, holiday, and I can recommend cruising, especially for wheelchair users uh, anywhere in the world. They know exactly what they're doing, and the cruise industry is very geared up for people with disabilities. So uh, all you do every day is pack a rucksack for the day, and off you go every morning. What a pleasure and what a holiday it was. I must admit, I haven't had the, the opportunity of, of experiencing a cruise yet, but I'm, it's definitely on my bucket list. Ari, what suggestions would you give to a service provider who is wanting to make their travel experiences, their accommodation, their venues, their restaurants more accommodating to those with special needs? What, what would they, should their starting point Okay, first of all, I think there's only one way to go is you've got to embrace the concept of universal access. That's important. If you go any less, then you're not doing anyone any justice. So that is ease of use for any person, whether they have a disability or not, whether they're tall, short, wide, narrow, uh, with a disability or not. Universal access is what you want to aim at. How do you get that? You really need, if you don't have the infrastructure, and you want to start with infrastructure alterations or development, then you must talk to an architect, and um, an architect, if they, um, well, surely they will apply the national building regulations. Well, we're speaking to organizations like Quasa or other national disability organizations, because we can recommend good contractors and good UA specialists. Um, so don't wing it, don't go ahead, don't think, don't pull a wheelchair user off the street and say, come test this ramp or come and tell me if my place is accessible. Stick by the Part S10400 um, deemed to satisfy regulations in the National Building Regulations and uh, the ability agencies you might very well find. For example, Quasa, we own a magazine called Rolling Inspiration, which is a style publication and a thought leadership publication for people with mobility impairments. And the minute we see a place is accessible, we like to write about it and promote it, and then boom, they get some bookings. So it's driven by um, a financial return, which we think is the only way to motivate people to realize and to understand the value of going 
universally accessible. I think that's so true. I think so often businesses and service providers don't completely understand the business case of making their, their venues accessible because it really does have quite an impact or can have an impact on the profitability of their businesses. And I think that's a really important point for us to make as people working in this sector to help them to understand the actual business benefit of doing so. Ari, can you share some of your contact details if people want to contact you or contact Quasa, or even if they want to access that Rolling Inspiration magazine? How can they do that? Absolute pleasure. Um, you know, the best email address to use is info, I-N-F-O, at Quasa, Q-A-S-A, dot C-O dot C-A. And if you want to talk about anything that we've discussed here today, uh, we'll respond to you. And then, of course, the phone number for Quasa is 031-767-0352. And uh, welcome to ask for me, and I will help you as much as I can. Do you have a, a website address that you'd like to share with us as well? Yes, obviously, www.quasa.co.za. That's super. And hopefully that we'll, we'll get more information out to help people who are looking to make use of your services. Just as a final question, we often have listeners to the podcast who are really interested in finding out about travel, but are a little anxious about getting out into the world because of their disabilities. What advice would you give them about to, to motivate them into taking up the courage and going out into the world and seeing what's out there? I think that's a very good question and a good prompt uh, for me to say that a lot of people with disabilities travel and um, concern and fears and I think uh, the, the best way is lots of planning. Speak to people that have traveled on that advice, um, but plan, plan, plan. Ask every question, pose every scenario that um, you're concerned about, whether it's to a place of accommodation, a tourist attraction, a conference, and whether you're using a bus, a train, an aircraft, uh, or uh, uh, a vehicle. You know, whether it be a hire vehicle or a point-to-point -point type uh, vehicle service, ask every question and pose every scenario and make clear that, um, uh, you know, you want people to respond with the truth and so that you, you know, you get the service which they promise. I think the message that I keep coming back with time and time again from talking to you is it's about the preparation, the research, about finding out the information to help someone approach the experience of traveling with the full knowledge that they need so they can do so in comfort. Ari, thank you so much for joining us today on the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. It's been a great privilege to talk to you, and I really appreciate all that you've shared with us and our listeners to help them approach the subject of accessible travel. Wow, 
Lois, thanks for the opportunity, and uh, anyone is welcome to contact me. And of course, happy travels. I mean, uh, we can, we must, and we must show the tourism sector that we've got um, money to spend and market. And I think that that's very important. I so agree with you, and that's part of what we aim to do with this podcast. So. Thank you so much for reinforcing that final point. Thanks, Lois. It was really great to have the opportunity to interview Ari Serlis, and I thought he shared some fantastic techniques to help those of us with special needs to make traveling just that little bit more comfortable. And now... It's time for the Service Provider Spotlight. The Spotlight is where we try to recognize those tour operators, venues, and service providers who accommodate the needs of those of us with disabilities. Today, we're stepping 300 years back into the history of Cape Town as we visit Siobhan's Battery Museum and the Clock Tower Precinct of the V&A Waterfront in Cape Town, South Africa. The exhibits of Siobhan's Battery Museum give us glimpses into what life might have been like in Cape Town in the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries. The site includes the archaeological remains of Siobhan's Battery, which lay submerged under water for almost 150 years before being discovered. In terms of accessibility, there's underground accessible parking, lifts and ramps for those traveling in wheelchairs. And for those with visual impairments, the site also does have guided tours that'll take between 45 minutes and an hour, where guides share stories and experiences and allow us to learn a little bit more in our own audio way. To find out more about Siobhan's Battery Museum, hop on to the Accessible South Africa website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and there you'll find more information, you'll find photographs and you'll be able to contact them to check that your personal accessibility needs can be accommodated. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za or on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Deirdre Gower. Our theme music is by Louis Chichao based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Andre Latoy, the big positive guy. Thanks for joining us on Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy travels. Mm-hmm.